the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Rumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our hola, amigos. I do plead guilty to the allegation that I am, in fact, Spud Goodman. <laughs> Spud Goodman. <laughs> so, welcome to our little radio show. As size isn't everything, we can still satisfy everyone now listening. You know? Maybe not everyone, as some are very short-sighted people who are locked into that old wives' tale that bigger is better. You know, I don't know the exact old wife who made up that BS, but if I ever do meet up with her, I'm going to tell her that she's messed up the lives of a hell of a lot of men over the years. I, on the other hand, have always held to the belief that good things come in small packages. Seek immediate medical help for an erection lasting more than four hours. Yeah, I'm going to go to my grave believing that one. So now I need to introduce our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Give us a decent chuckle. Oh, um... <laughs> and that's as good as it's going to get this early in the show. Sorry. It was, it was okay. Uh, but just try and pick it up a bit as we get going. Oh, fine. Now I am obligated to acknowledge our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Hey, how, how about just telling everyone how proud you are to be allowed on the air with my aunt and I? Uh, I mean, you know we could easily do the show without you, right? So yeah, show some gratitude. Uh, you know uh, you know what I'm saying. Well, yeah. Well, uh, you okay. have some position. You have some kind of position around here. I, I do, but and and I am I am grateful to be a member of the show. Okay, as then. I am quite sure that you, deep down, are very thank- thankful that I am a part of this team too. I don't think so. You know, it takes five fingers to make a fist, Spud. All of us are important parts. <laughs> okay, you're gonna pull out that old five fingers analogy. Five fingers. Yeah, that's. Uh... That's an old one. Making a fist is is a is good, you know, if, if we were boxers or MMA fighters. But we don't need to make a fist here in this radio studio. And if you really want to count fingers, we already have five of them with me, my aunt, Trevor, our engineer, Dave, our audio director, and yeah, Chance, our intern. We don't need six fingers to make a fist. We, you're you're counting Chance? Absolutely. Our our community college intern. He's a full finger. Yes, he in is. Okay, maybe the little one, if that. But I, as the co-host, am, if not the thumb or index finger, I'm at least the middle finger. Oh, boy. Okay, I'll I'll grant you that. You do represent the middle finger better than anyone else on the staff. Okay, that's settled. But let us move on to a topic I wanted to discuss on this show. Oh, you know, I've been thinking a whole lot about my legacy. Yep. Like how I'm going to, you know, go out when I do finally call it a day as a talk show host. You know, when I walk away from the business, basically. Yeah. 
If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. Well, I've been waiting a long time to hear the word on this. Mm-hmm. Are you hanging it up this month, maybe? Well, well, it, it, but I just want to say, if so, I can finally plan my road, road trip of casinos in the Northwest area with Chance. You know, when you start counting them up, it could take us a couple of years to hit all of them. You know, Mrs. Jarvitz, I will never understand your weakness for gambling. What? Well, it's one of the vices that is forbidden in our church, and I can honestly say I have never stepped foot in a casino in my life. Um, um, you suck! You have so many of those don't-you-dare-do-that things, you know, with your church's commandments. Well, you should just print up, like, a half-page... Uh, or so, maybe laminated uh, of a list of what is actually permissible. You know, you, you guys can't have any fun, man. That is a common misunderstanding of the Mormon church, Spud. We have all the fun we want. It just has to be good old-fashioned fun. You know, really, we have tons of fun. So much fun, I, I really? need to invite you to one of our monthly cakewalks that we have on the fourth Saturday night of the month. It can get really wacky, and I will say, one can get a good cardio workout, too. Oh, cakewalks are so very 1948. I thought they were boring when I was a kid. Yeah. And I was forced to go to most of the extracurricular activities at our church, and that was one of the lamest things they did to raise money for the forgotten children of some country. I forget which one. Well, anyway, getting back to the topic of going out the right way, I'm still trying to decide how I want to do this. You always want to leave, you know, the audience wanting more. I've read that, you know, no one in the entertainment business wants to overstay their welcome. I I, kind of hope, though, that's not a hard and fast rule, as there's a slight chance that I've already violated that one. Um, I think it'd be actually... Because I've been a talk show host for a long, long time. And hopefully I'm not already universally hated, as that will make walking away with my head held high a little tough. (laughs) Yeah, You know, even though you may have overstayed your welcome, there are still a few fans who've stuck with you. You know, you still get quite a few likes on Facebook when you post something. Yeah, you know, there's a site you can pay like a company or whatever to, to like whatever you put up oh yeah it's fake love for sure but it would still put some pep in my step you know when i three or four likes would be nice rather than seeing a big fat zero but i don't think i, I don't know if i can afford that but anyway let's play some music i'm in the mood for that and i also have to take a leak i'll be honest oh. to the listeners i have to cut back on the hawaiian punch so right now uh let's let's uh check out the legendary wanda jackson song hot dog hit it him fine, but he takes me for granted all of the time to teach him a lesson and make him mad. I went out on a date with the best friend he had. That made him mad, boy. Hot dog, that made him mad. And he hugged me and he kissed me and he asked me not to do it again. Oh, late last night. When I came in, he demanded to know just where I'd been But I really put him right in his place Instead of an answer, I laughed in his face That made him mad, boy Hot dog, that made him mad So 
he hugged me and he kissed me and he asked me not to do it again. sure Dave is the first Pulitzer Prize winner ever on this show. I, it seems kind of weird for a guy so funny to get one of those things. I guess, I guess he's just so damn funny, they had to give him an award. Oh, oh I always enjoyed reading Dave Barry's column in the newspaper. <sighs> I miss newspapers. Really? Well, he has a new book out about his dog, so I'm looking forward to this. You know, anything with a dog in it, I'm all in. I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on. Well, when you were a kid, or really nowadays as an adult, you do seem to relate better to dogs than humans. I plead guilty to that charge. Mm -hmm. You know, I like dogs, but heaven's not more than people. Seriously? Seriously. Totally serious. You know, dogs don't bug me for more airtime on my show. Oh. There's that. Uh, just put Dave through. Yeah, here he is. Please say hello to author Dave Barry. You know, we appreciate you coming on our show. You have a new book out titled Lessons from Lucy, The Simple Joys of an Old Happy Dog. Um, well, I gotta say, you got me right away with the titles. As I'm a big dog person, you know, myself, I've never not had one with me in my lifetime. So far, I like strays or rescue dogs only, but yeah. That's good. That's excellent. I mean, everybody says when you get a rescue dog, and my dog is also a rescue dog, that uh, somehow they know, you know, they, they know you rescued them because they've been in a crate usually for a long time. When yeah. Along you come and, you, and they, they, they love that. So obviously you've made the dog's life better, but I, I, I feel, and you're a dog person, so I think you'd probably agree. Dog, you, dogs make your life better too. I mean, after anybody who's had a dog for a while, you, you cannot imagine living your life without that animal usually which yep. is why it's kind of tough to have dogs but yeah 
Well, is your dog Lucy still with you? Because that's the only tough part of having dogs in your life, having to say goodbye. Because it's like losing your best friend. I mean, over and over. It's, and, it's brutal. And and I think you know, if people have never had it, well, I'm going to expand it to pets in general. But if you've had a dog in your life and you lose that dog, that is that is a real serious morning. You've lost. That's a real relationship gone, and it's tough. Uh, Lucy is still with us. She is. Uh, good, good. She's eleven now and, and been good at health and great happiness and joy which is kind of why i ended up writing this book which is she's old but she's happy she's not it doesn't bother her at all that she's old there's very few things bother dogs and uh, so the idea behind the book was um, i'm also old <laughs> i turned 70 when lucy turned 10 so we we're both technically the same age right and um and yet she was she's just so much happier and she Nothing about it seems to bother her. So the idea behind the book was to look at what she does that makes her so happy and see if I could do those things as well, except for drinking from the toilet. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 kind of nasty. But, you know, I, well, I don't you know. tried it, have you? Well, a couple times. <laughs> uh, by mistake, by the way. Um, I hope it's, when easy, I, it's an easy mistake to make. Really? You know, I hope when I have to go to a nursing home when they finally send me away someplace, they're going to let me bring that whatever dog I have then. I'm not going. That's just I want to say that for the record. But I anyway. think that more and more, and I could be wrong, but I think more and more, we call them, I think, senior living facilities. There you go. Living facilities. Yeah. I think they let you bring dogs more. Probably not everywhere and probably not every dog. But I'm with you on that. It, you got to have your dog with you or what's the point? Right, right. Well, let me let me, let me me hit you with this. An, another author, I don't know if our listeners have heard of him. I think it's a guy named Steve or, I don't know, maybe Steve, Stephen King said he had snot running that out of guy, his nose. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to mentor him, bring him along. I think he's got a lot of promise, could have a real career someday. Yeah, well, he said he had snot running out of his nose from laughing so hard reading this book. Should we all keep Kleenex handy when we sit down with it? <laughs> yeah, or you could just wipe it on the book itself. It's your book if you buy it, and okay. I urge you to buy it because then you'll have, you know no you know no guilt about not wiping on it. But yeah, it's ideally the book is funny and and also somewhat useful. I, I can't really I I hate to say it's a self help book because. First of all, I don't write self-help books. Usually when people read my books, they go, huh, that didn't help me at all. Or I feel actually stupider having read that. Uh, but this one does have some, I hope, useful information, helpful information in amongst the jokes. Okay. All right. Super. Well, you know, Dave, I think you're our first Pulitzer Prize winning author on the show. You received that award in 1988. How tough was it to write after getting that award? Was there like a Sports Illustrated cover jinx for you? Maybe like a writer's block a little bit, after, you know, following up that year. It's tough. It's funny that you should say, because actually it's a sort of semi-dog related. I, I, you know, I, I didn't expect to win a Pulitzer Prize. That's that's not false modesty. I genuinely never thought I'd win one because I don't write. I mean, I don't write serious commentary. I write booger jokes. And, and then I win the Pulitzer Prize. And, and the next column I have to write is, you know, I, I have to think, well, is this, is this, you know, do I have to be serious now? Do I have to? So, so um it was it was difficult, but I, I overcame it by basically making a joke about winning the Pulitzer Prize, and then went on to writing, going back to writing booger jokes. Where'd you put the award? Is, is it like uh, in your bathroom or something? Where, where do you got it? <laughs> well, believe it or not, I lost it uh, for year, several years. I didn't know where it was. My wife found it and put it in a safe place that I don't know about, so I can't lose it again. But I do worry that someday, you know, the, the Pulitzer Prize police will come around to my house and say, Hey, Mr. Barry, you've been claiming you won a Pulitzer Prize. Can we see it? And, you know, I won't be able to do it, and I'll get arrested and put in Pulitzer prison. Ooh, yeah, well, that wouldn't be good. All right, well, 
I was thinking, you've been known to have like state-of-the-art, world-class sarcasm skills. Uh, away from writing, has this had an impact on your personal life? Like, you could destroy anyone with a single cutting remark and say at the gym or workplace. <laughs> Do you have to be careful with this God-given talent? <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of like the, uh, the the kid in uh, the Avengers who can shoot beams of, of laser beams out of his eyes. Kinda. No, it's it's not that big a talent. <laughs> it's a sarcasm. The one thing is, I I, tr I have two children, and both of them are very skilled in sarcasm because from their the time they were infants on, they never heard their father say anything that he was that that he actually meant. So they developed great sarcasm skills. And I, I guess that's the, the most important thing. My children are good at sarcasm. Uh, but if I may say something here, what? I feel you are also uh, quite prone to utilize your own sarcasm skills. I won't lie. There have been many nights I have laid in bed with a tear running down my face, reliving a snarky remark you made at my expense. Hey, Dave, I need a moment here. Grow a pair. When I was growing up, I had to take shots directed at me all day long by my dad, and I never cried. I may have occasionally got the sniffles, but never full-on cried when he said something sarcastic about me. Oh, oh, yes. Your father was quite adept at sending a barbed remark at someone. Mostly at you, of course, yeah. as you were really an annoying kid. Yeah, he, he kept taking shots at me, though, until until the day he died. He he may not have won a, one of those Pulitzer Prize things, but, man, he could take anyone down a notch or two with just a couple words. Uh -huh. Well, you, you know, I, I'm not a snowflake, Spud. You have you never sure made that? me cry with just a couple words. Usually, it takes a few more words than that before I really feel the burn. Okay, okay. I'll try to cut back a bit on the sarcasm. Thank you. Now, let me get back to Dave. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. Let's go. Um, well, you've also dabbled in the music biz, performing in a number of rock bands. Was that Stephen King dude in one of your bands? Stephen King and I are in a rock band. We're called the Rock Bottom Remainders. Uh, also, Amy Tan, Scott Turow, Mitch Album, Greg Isles, Ridley Pearson, Roy Blunt Jr., James McBride. A lot of good authors. These guys are band. writers, uh, right? Yeah. We, we are not a good band. <laughs> <laughs> Our talent does not turn out to be, it doesn't transfer from liter literature to music. Um, so we, we, we play, uh, Roy Blunt Jr. has described our genre as hard listening music. Right. And, but we still play because it's fun. I mean, that's one of the lessons in the book, which is keep having fun. And pro that's probably the most fun thing that I do, even though it's not really age appropriate. Uh, I would say we're too old to be stomping around stage, but the Rolling Stones are actually older than we are. So, But they're better, I think, as a band. I mean, head-to-head. -head. But but we still play, and we still have fun, um, and it's still one of the most fun things I do. So I love I love being in our band, even though we're awful. All right, super. Well, you know, in the past, you've, you've run for president as a libertarian. I'm thinking in 2020, it might be the best year to run as people can't keep track of everyone, one, you know, wanting to get a shot at Trump, and someone could just slip through and get by by mistake, you know, on the ballot. Just, just don't, don't pull a Ralph Nader yeah. and well, let him win. I I used, I mean, I used to view myself as sort of a joke candidate, um, but now, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, is there anybody who's not running for president of the United States this year? I think, I, I think I'm looking pretty good. All right, um, all right. 
Well, let me hit with the last question because I know I know you got to get going. You still live in Miami, right? Or I don't know because yes, I, I live in Miami. Moved there in 1986 from the United States. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just wondering, uh, do, do do we have to worry about you and your house sinking into the ocean anytime soon? Because have you given any thought to maybe relocating to say Grand Forks, North Dakota? You may want to revisit that. <laughs> well, I do have a sewage listing station to my honor there. Good. So that's one one inducement to go there. No, my house is actually high enough above sea level that the sea could rise. I think 20 feet, uh, and I would then have um, oceanfront property. So I'm, um, you know, I'm good. I'm going to wait it out. All right, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling better. All right, let me let me say again, your new book, Lessons from Lucy: The Simple Joys of an Old Happy Dog, is now available everywhere. Thank you a whole bunch for checking in with us. Okay, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Mr. Dave Barry. Spud goodness to I knew though. This is the Spud Goodman Show. I'm still not over my surprise. Getting back to what we were talking about, you know the guy I think who really pulled off this walking away better than anyone ever? It has to be J.D. Salinger. He, he did his thing and was never heard from again. I mean, there's still so much mystery about him, and he's dead. A, a, a long time ago. The guy knew how to do this. Yeah, who is this J.D. Salinger you refer to? Is he a talk show host? What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. No, doofus. He wrote the great American novel, Catcher in the Rye. I believe it was published in 1951, and it uh, still sells to this day. Yeah, yeah. J.D. Salinger made his mark in the literary world and then just plain disappeared. You, on the other hand, Spud, have hung around way, way past your expiration date without much distinction. You know, I have been phoning it in these last few years, or, you know, maybe for a decade or so. But still, everyone has to leave his or her career at some time. Why not do it with a bit of flair? That's what I'm thinking. You know, create some buzz uh, that will keep you, or me, in the minds of my fans for maybe eternity. Oh, well, now, eternity might be a bit of an unreachable well, goal, but, you know, there's really only one figure who will remain in everyone's mind for eternity, and his name is not Spud Goodman. I think you know who I'm referring to here. Are you talking about David Letterman? Yes! He hasn't really walked away from showbiz. He still has that Netflix show. Oh, I believe Gerald is talking about a higher power, Spud. Much higher than David Letterman. Yeah, Spud, only God has the staying power to remain the central figure in our hearts and minds forever. Mere mortals fade in recognition over time. Well, not Ed Sullivan... With Elvis, uh, the Beatles, and Topo Gigio, uh, you know, doing his show, he'll always be on everyone's mind. No, no nobody's going to forget about Ed Sullivan, all right? Yeah. He has a, he had a really big show. It was really big. <laughs> and, and, and not in like, he, he, I mean, no, it was really, a really big show. Really big I, show. I, oh, yeah, I laugh. I, I still, I believe God gets top billing in every instance. Even over Oprah? Yes, even over Oprah. Look, alternative facts are not facts. Okay, regardless though, I think it's really important for me to start planning on how I do this. You know, it may not be for a couple years, but it's coming pretty soon. I'll be making my exit, and it needs to be done right. Who who wants to be forgotten like the day after you sign off for good? Well, 
as the designated laugher on this show, I don't really have high expectations for my legacy. Aunt Dorothy, don't sell yourself short. I mean, huh. you, you've probably impacted the lives of one or two of our listeners over the years. You know, you since you've been with this. Oh, I would hope not. How sad. Yeah, well, I know I have changed the lives of many of our listeners. I know that, dude. There is no doubt about that after I read my emails that while serving as the co-host on this show. Uh, temporary co-host. Well, temporary permanent co-host. Yeah, whatever. I can't tell you how many people have written me thanking me for bringing some sanity and decorum to the program. <laughs> I Listen, I understand these that are qualities funny. that you don't value, Spud, but without them, this program would veer out of control. I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. I don't need adult supervision, dude. You got that? Well. If it makes you feel good to live, you know, that lie, then you're serving some... I guess, meaningful role in the show. If that's what you think, if that lie is one that you're going to live every day, fine, whatever. Continue to live in your dream world. But right now, I need to hear some music, okay? All right. In commemoration of the recent 25th anniversary of the death of Kurt Cobain, which occurred on April 8th, 1994, check out the B-side of a split single that was co-released by the Jesus Lizard and Nirvana in 1993. It's titled, Oh... The guilt. Something. 
the excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. You guys are wasting your evening and your lives with Spud Goodman and Shotgun Kitchen tonight, and we thank you. When I hear Spud Goodman, I won't stand a chance. Spud Goodman in my ear makes me crazy. But I won't say no. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Uh, Spud, yes. your next guest, Vicki Ward, is holding for you. Now, she's another author, right? That is correct. She has a new book out on the president's son-in-law, uh, Jared Kushner. Oh. It's gotten major buzz so far. I, I just don't understand how a 30-something business dude can suddenly be, you know, be put in charge of Middle East peace, fixing the opioid crisis, criminal justice reform, head liaison to China and Mexico, and oh yeah, I think he is also carrying around that nuclear suitcase for the president. Well, I've seen Vicky a lot on TV. She's a very bright woman. Yeah, but why would she write a book about our commander-in-chief's son-in-law? The answer is... Uh, well, maybe because he's a creepy kid who sounds and looks like he's from that Toy Story movie. Mm, now that you mention it, he does resemble Woody. Yes! Right? Um, or put some rouge on his cheeks, and he could do a pretty darn decent Pee Wee Herman, too. Just put Vicky through. Here she is. Say hello to author and journalist Vicky Ward. Thank you for calling into our program. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, so you know, you have a new book out titled Kushner, Inc., a detailed investigation into the activities of our government's, like, one-man band, presidential advisor Jared Kushner and his wife Ivanka, who, who is a bit more stealthy in her advising. So my question is, these, these two darn kids are the most powerful people on earth outside of Donald Trump at this moment? Right. Well, I mean, look at the body count around them, right? They're still there. And, I mean, what, how many really senior uh White House executives have left. I mean, I think it's well over 30, right? Yeah. Um, and I think really that's the point of the book is that, you know, these are two people who uh, kind of are in disguise. They're not what we thought we, when they went into the administration. In fact, the reason they were kind of allowed in breaking with the nepotism laws was because everyone thought they would be this sort of calming, uh, moderating influence around the president. But really, it looks like you know, the, 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 they've gone in not so much for public service, but for self-service, and at, and at a huge cost, actually, to right. the country. Right. Well, I wanted to I wanted to run this by you. This is something I'm, I'll say to our listeners. Can we all like agree? And I include the president's supporters who who are now listening because we're on some stations where he is quite popular. That that if Hillary was elected uh, and she appointed Chelsea Clinton's husband Mark Mazinski as our top presidential advisor, there there would have been a meltdown and, and tossing Chelsea right. sitting in a cabinet meetings. Earth would have come off its axis, don't you think? Right. Well, you know the interesting thing, and, and I say this in the book, is that the president was ambivalent about having them there. He still is. 
I mean, he he was ambivalent. It wasn't actually the president who made the decision to have them come in. It was Steve Bannon, which is very interesting yeah. and, and surprising. You know, Don McGahn, the, the chief White House counsel, he was ambivalent. His job was to protect the president. And, we, you know, we have nepotism laws. The Justice Department at the time drew up a legal opinion. They didn't love it. That would have let Jared, the idea was Jared first, then Ivanka. And McGahn sort of said to Reince Priebus and Steve Bannon, you know, it's not just because of corruption that we have nepotism laws. It's, it's also competence. We don't know that they're going to be competent. I mean, what have these two people ever done that, you know, make, you know would, would make it seem likely that they're going to be amazing leaders in Washington and abroad? And it was Bannon who said, you know, when the president really gets irate, like he had done over Billy Bush weekend, um, yes. and Melania wasn't speaking to him, Hope Hicks couldn't get to him, he said, you know, I think we're going to need uh, Ivanka to calm him down. And that's really sort of the beginning of the original sin, because obviously the you know the irony is so Bannon ush- ushered them in, they ushered um, him out. <laughs> um, so you know, and I think that, um, but but since then, I you know I have another story in the book where, you know, when they make mistakes that um, really draw negative attention onto his presidency. Uh, the president absolutely hates it. He, you know, didn't like it when Jared pushed for the firing of James Comey, uh, blamed him in many ways for that. He absolutely hated it when they, the story about their misuse of their private emails came out, because, of course, this was what he had gone so strongly at Hillary Clinton for. Yeah, but he's pretty, uh, he was so, pretty good at just kind of, he's really good at just kind of blowing by uh prior statements and, and you know and I, I've never seen anybody be able to pull that off in public life you know no I know but he didn't I can tell you on this one he was not pleased with them and he, he asked John Kelly to get rid of them but actually when it came to it it was the president who couldn't pull the trigger you know it goes in waves okay. you know one minute he wants them gone the next minute you know he's forgotten all about it I, excuse me Spud what but, well, I have to say this I just don't agree with you and others who have been critical about Donald Trump bringing his daughter and son-in-law to work with him in the White House. I know if I should ever be elected to office, I would most assuredly hire my oldest, Gerald Jr., and also my youngest, Dwight, to work as my trusted advisors. It would only make common sense, as I know they would have my back. Uh, just a sec, Vicky. Yeah, okay, if you were talking about a family furniture store or a neighborhood bar. In Jared and Ivanka's case, this is a bit of a step up for them as they had absolutely no experience in government or foreign policy. And FYI, in your case, no offense, but but your youngest, Dwight, uh, he doesn't seem to be cut out for politics. Uh, maybe if he loses that blanket he carries, carries around with him. Jeez, he's like, at least, what is he, 12 years old now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But what about your daughter, Kelsey? She actually might be someone who could help you out if you ever do, you know, get into public service. Yeah, she, yeah I think so. Yes, bud. I haven't seen Kelsey since you brought her to take your daughter to work day a couple of years ago, Gerald. She seems so bright and, I dare say, so not like you. A lovely young girl. Well, you know, we are planning for her to attend BYU in a couple of years. Uh, she needs to focus on meeting the right fellow and settling down to have a family. That is so Laura Ingalls. 
But anyway, back to Javanka. You know, there, yeah. there should be real laws preventing politicians from hiring their kids is all I'm saying here. I've said it over... How many times do I have to say it? And Vicky mentioned there actually were regulations preventing this. Buzz, but, you know, with everything else Trump's involved with, he just blows them off. But anyway, let me get back to her. Okay, I have returned. Well, let me ask you this on Jared's business activities. Was the Kushner company purchasing the building in Manhattan, the one at 666 Park Avenue, the worst investment decision in the history of capitalism? What do you think? I would think it's up there, yes. It, was, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't, yes, because of the pricing. I mean, they, did, they bought it, 666 Fifth Avenue, they bought it right before oh, the Fifth crash um, of 2008 at the top of the market with 97% leverage. Think about that. I mean, $1.8 billion and 97% is borrowed money. So is that like an FHA deal or who financed the thing? Originally, it was actually Barclays Bank and then some other lenders. And they, you know, so this is, but this is the real sort of the theme of the book is that Jared Kushner goes into this government with this ticking time bomb that this building that is underwater, hemorrhaging cash. No American lender will touch it with a 50-foot pole. He's got to find a solution for this by February 2019. And only foreign investors will want it. But, you know, we have laws in this country against, uh, you know, basically bribery. You know, if, all, if a foreign investor we wants do? to come in, we do. Hmm. It won't even close. And, um, you know, I think that the way this building got bailed out is extremely suspicious. Congress, as we know, is discussing investigating it. And there is no way that the very dubious financing of Fifth, 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 oh, sorry, of 666 Fifth Avenue is not going to be a, a, a very big topic in the 2020 election. All right. Well, I, I got to ask you, how much crap have you taken with the publication of this book? Besides people being mean to you on Twitter, have you been threatened? I got to ask that because the people Kushner's involved with in business don't play around like his buddy in Saudi Arabia, you know, MBS. No. Yeah. So, look, uh, I think that, you know, I'm an investigative journalist. The best thing to be is always to be in plain sight, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I know that um, Jared and Ivanka phoned around um, to try to get um, everyone in their orbit to sort of publicly discredit me. I, and, but I had long known that that would be their tactic. Um, but because I, I make a practice of always um, double-checking when I'm reporting, I don't just take one person's word for it. I, I make sure that at least two people agree. I think all my sources knew that I had, there was a sort of chain that, you know, if they tried to discredit me, it wouldn't work because somebody else in the room right. would have verified what I'd said. So um, so they couldn't, it didn't work. I see. Well, let me hit you with the last question real quickly. I, I was, have you been approached by Hollywood to make your you know book into a movie? But because the verified facts in there are almost unbelievable. It'd have to be like a sci-fi right. flick, something on Black Mirror or something. Right. So I think that my agent is like receiving offers at the moment I have to be honest um, I'm so busy on the media tour that I haven't got around to that but I think that, that I think that is probably underway yes alright super okay well let me say again your new book Kushner Inc is now available at bookstores everywhere uh, we want to thank you so much for coming on our program 
thank you for having me. Ms. Vicky Ward. You have a tremendous problem. The first thing, always, that they mentioned to me, Mr. Trump, please do something. We may not like it, but I heard parts of the Spider-Man show. And we're going to work with you people to help you solve that very big problem. Uh, Spud, your last guest, Dietrich Bader, is waiting to speak with you. I know my wife loves the show he's on, American Housewife. It can be a bit randy, but it is quite funny. Yeah, I love having Diedrich on the show. Right now, he has, he has like a ton of projects he's yeah. involved with, and I want, I want to go over them with him. You know? uh, say, Gerald, yeah. are you planning to eat that last piece of pound cake in front of you? I saw oh, that you had well. a few pieces, and um, you know, my honey chance didn't get a piece yet. In all honesty, I was planning to eat it when we go to a music break. I'm so hungry. I don't think Chance would want to eat something that was on my paper plate, do you? Well, he's in the bathroom right now, and I know it's store-bought, and he really adores his mom's pound cake, uh, but I know he would appreciate it. Really? You know, I may have coughed on it a few times. You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. Maybe it would be best if he didn't get exposed to what I may be coming down with. Uh, and Dorothy, he, he's not going to give up that last piece of cake, all right? No way. Really? No way. Uh, hey, just put Diedrich through. Yeah, uh, here he is. Please welcome back to the show one of our favorite guests, Diedrich Bader. Uh, we appreciate you checking in with us. Oh, thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So this time you have so many projects to talk about. We're going to have to pick up the pace here. Let's start with your, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's start with your sitcom American Housewife on ABC, which airs Tuesdays at eight, seven central. You are wrapping up what season three, correct? Yeah, season three. We just wrapped it a little while ago. All right. Well, you're not getting killed off at uh, at the end or something, are you? Because we've had so many Walking Dead cast members on who suddenly find out they're going to get eaten in the next episode. You're you're not getting. You're going to be back, right? Yeah, yeah. Plus, with The Walking Dead, you never know. You could come back as a zombie. So, you That's know, true. you're never really done. Yeah, good point. So, but uh, you, you, the hopes are for season four, correct? Yes, that's uh, fingers crossed, uh, knock on wood. Uh, I'm really praying for that. Uh, I really enjoy the show. It's incredibly fun to do. Katie Mixon is just awesome to work with, and, and I love the writers and the character. You know, it's just, and also, I really like the idea of just sitting down with my family and being able to watch a show that I'm on. It's it's a it's a rare event. Yeah, you know, last time we talked, I, I like I mentioned. Speaking of dinner with your family, you are one of the families that allow no phones, no social media, no nothing during meal time, right? Oh yeah, no. Uh, in fact, uh, my kids aren't on social media at all. Oh, um, oh I yeah, that. no, they're not allowed. And well, I hear about it all the time because they're teenagers. You know, fifteen and thirteen for them being off of social media is being on another planet. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I use it for promotional, um, you know, things. Uh, but it it really is too much of a life of uh, of uh, kids today. So I. I'm trying to have them have a have a life where they're entirely present with the people that they're with. Super. You know, you could be like a control group where centuries from now, a sociologist could look back and, and see how that this thing is going to work out. I mean, I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting experiment. So I thought I'd tell you that. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, they're, they're 
maybe they're behind the ball as far as uh, other kids are concerned, but they're very good at conversations, which uh, some teenagers are not. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, wow, they can actually speak a, a full sentence. That's, that's pretty impressive. Well, they have to. Yeah, I, I insist on it. I mean, that's the thing. We sit down to dinner every night. Um, we do not watch television. Uh, with dinner, uh, we sit down, um, uh, we talk about our day, and they have to be able to talk. I mean, it's mostly about them. My wife and I do very little talking. We just mostly ask the questions. Ah, super. I wrote that down if I ever have kids. All right. Well, um, <laughs> so you're also on a very cool show, Better Things, on FX Thursdays at 10, 9 Central. Pamela Adlon. Yeah, a lovely show. Yeah. Pamela has total artistic control with the show, right? And the suits don't mess with her? Oh, not at all. Uh, FX has been really great. That's the uh, network. Uh, FX has been really great. And as far as like having her um, have complete artistic freedom, she is the executive producer, she is the writer, she is the star, and she is the director. Um, so it is a, it, it, it's like a one-woman show where everybody supports her. Um, at the same time, she creates an ensemble of feel uh, that is really unique. It's a very cool laid-back set. Um, you know, it's very hangout. Um, it's like being at the hippest party, you know, but nobody's do, doing anything bad. It's, uh, it's very, very cool. Um, what a huh. really fun project to work on. Yeah. Well, someday I hope to get invited to one of those hip parties. I don't really know what they're like, but uh, thanks for describing <laughs> it. Um, uh, say, Spud? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if this is an appropriate time to bring this up, but you just mentioned that you wish you would be invited someday to a hip party. Right. Well, that's exactly how I feel, as I know for a fact you've had numerous parties over the last few years at your apartment, and I've never been invited myself. It's a bit hurtful that you have Hey, hey Diedrich, par- uh, give me a moment. You want to bitch about not being invited to a party at my well, place right now in the middle of an interview? Gerald, Gerald, I have to say Spud has a very clutter-filled apartment. Yes, and I do. that means there's limited room for excess guests when he throws one of his little soirees. Sure, they're always fun, as you never know who will show up, but I don't know if they would be called hip parties. That is very subjective. I would like to determine myself if they are hip, you know? I always hear about them in the staff lounge area. They sound so so interesting and exciting. My wife and I would love to attend one in the future, Spud. I'm just saying. Uh, I will see if my next party will have enough space for you. I don't know about your wife. Uh, It could be too crowded, so... How about I can maybe put her on standby status? Maybe Um, have her keep her phone handy, you know, and I could text her if if space opened up. And and also, for the record, I got to say this. I only throw parties because no one ever invites me to theirs. Okay, I'll ask if she would be okay with that. And and, and don't forget, we always invite you to our kids' birthday parties, but you never come. Well, Well, Spud has a thing against Chuck E. Cheese and any other kid-specific place. But tell your wife it would be worth it for her to go on a waiting list. I always really enjoy myself at his gatherings. Thank you, Aunt Dorothy. Now, I got to get back to Diedrich, though. Okay, I have returned. Well, you know, there's something I got to kind of touch on, because you you were with the show while Louis C.K. was an executive producer before he was let go. Was it a smooth transition? The the show, you know, doesn't seem to have missed a beat. I mean, it's, it's just a great show. I think, if anything, it's a deeper show now. Um, You know, uh, Louis uh, had his own voice, certainly, on the show. But really, what his job was and what he was able to do, and I'll give him credit for this, is is bring out her own 
voice and and allow her to create a show that is uh, unique and really cool. Um, but since his being excised from the show, Pam has really come into her own as an executive producer and a writer and realized how much of it is really her voice and how cool that is. I mean, it's an odd circumstance that this is how she found out, but but uh, that she she is able to you know really create her own voice and realize her own strength. Right, right, all right, super. Well, I got to keep this thing going. Another project you've been involved with over the years is now in its final season, and it pains me to say that Veep is now airing on HBO on Sundays and available on demand. The show is clearly going to be in the Comedy Hall of Fame. Uh, the writing is as yes. good as it gets. The cast is freaking amazing. Are you going to miss it as much as we viewers will? Um, yeah, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an incredible group of actors. And uh, when yeah. I first started shooting it, it was in Baltimore. And, uh, um, you know, we there's, you know, Baltimore is a great town, but it kind of drove us together as a cast. And we got really, really tight. And um, it's a it's a sort of a beautiful thing. Uh, became a true ensemble, and they're very nice people on that show. And uh, and the writing, as you say, as you pointed out, is is incredible. So yes. to be a part of that is amazing. But it's uh, uh, it is it it's a unique project, and uh, I I miss it already. Yeah, wow! I'm I'm so excited to see the whole season. Um, all right, well. Let, let me run this by you. On the show, you know, I've I kind of tossed out the possibility of pulling a J.D. Salinger, uh, you know, walk away from the talk show business at the top or, I don't know, okay, maybe more towards the lower bottom sure, of the career. Sure, disappear. Yeah, yeah. Well, just poof, you know, but but never to be seen again. Have you ever fantasized about doing something like this? No, no. Okay. I, I uh, um, uh, this is all I've ever wanted. To be on three shows at the same time is a total dream come true. I That's bet. why I'm, you know, doing publicity for it all. Uh, I, I, I am so happy uh, to be an actor. I could never think of another life. I really have no idea what else I would do. I don't mean to make that sound sad at all. Uh, and the fact that I'm able to be an actor and to work and to work with these incredible actors and amazing scripts is is everything I've ever wanted. So I can't imagine uh, walking away from it. Yeah, I'm a little afraid I won't get a do-over if I later change my mind and want to resurface. But anyway, I'm still thinking, I'm still mulling it over right now. All sure, right. mull it over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's another thing we need to talk about. Diedrich, you continue to do a ton of voice work for animated shows, including the Harley Quinn series airing on DC Universe. This one has an amazing cast too. Lake Bell, J.B. Smooth, one of our, per we love J.B., uh, Wanda Sykes, Jason Alexander, among others. Can you do a few seconds of your character, Batman Bruce Wayne, slash Bruce Wayne? Well, my character is Batman, and uh, this is how he sounds. I am the knight. It's like that. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, so, I'm a major Batman fan. All right, super. Well, you know, as, as and I could keep going on because you have more projects, but I, I'm not even, I'm not going to run you into the ground. I'm going to leave you fresh, and, and I know you got to do more <laughs> It's a little exhausting. Yes, all right. So, well, let... All right, um, let me let me again plug again some of the shows that you have out now. American Housewife, which airs Tuesdays at 8 on ABC. Better Things on FX at 10 on Thursdays. And, of course, the final season of Veep, Sundays on HBO. I'm kind of out of breath here, so maybe it's best that I let you go. So thank you so much for coming on our show, man. Back on it's our show. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. There you have it, Mr. Diedrich Mader. My, how time flies!
There's only one slight downside if I try and pull a JD Salinger and walk away from, you know, this talk show gig. I'd pretty much have to really, really go off the grid. Like, basically disappear? No going to the mall, no more social media, and for sure, no more going to clubs to hear live music. Stop being awake! Okay, I guess I could still go in disguise, but that means no more being on the guest list and having to pay cover just like everyone else. That's one of the few perks of this job. Well, you need to think this over carefully before you ever attempt to do a full-on J.D. Salinger thing when the time comes. You are a very needy person who craves attention from others. Courtney, Chloe... Yeah, but I, I wouldn't let your concerns outweigh all the positive aspects of retiring soon and going underground. You would have so much free time to, well, to, to do something. I do need to come up with something if I try this. I get that. Yeah. I believe Salinger kept on writing short stories, but he didn't publish them. The, the last thing before he died was put out, I think, in 1965. But he kept a whole bunch ready to be released after he died. So I guess I could continue to record a bunch of sort of radio shows, you know, like a podcast. But it'd be tough to get any decent guests to come on, you know, if it wouldn't air for years. Maybe we could book Andy Dick or, say, Polly Shore occasionally. But we'd have to mostly probably go with G or H-level guests, huh? I'm thinking like my mailman or, or the guy who rounds up all the shopping carts at the Safeway I go to. Now, you may laugh, but uh, he's a very interesting guy. I mean, very deep. Excellent. Well, just know that if and when you decide it's time to walk away from this version of the show, I stand ready to fill your shoes and not leave staff members in the position of having to find another job. The show must go on, right? Uh, no. The show stops when I do. Well, this is the Spud Goodman show, not the Gerald Holcomb show. Or whoever our executive producer might try to bring in, you know, to host this thing. Um, oh, I don't think you have ownership rights on the talk show model, dear. You could be replaced tomorrow with just about any living being. Or even one of those artificial intelligence apps. Russia, if you're listening... Just program it with a few standard showbiz questions, get the names of the guests right for the introductions, a couple witty comments, and bam, you have a talk show. I don't know about bam, you have a talk show. There's a little more involved than that. Hmm. The show has to have like a point of view, someone with heart and passion. Passion? Okay, I'm just putting it out there. And should you walk away anytime soon, I'm ready to go here. But, you know, J.D. Salinger sued some guy who tried to publish a biography on him uh, that had a lot of his work in it without his permission. I read that, uh, I think, on Wikipedia. So I would think twice about trying to clone my persona and continue to do this after I'm gone. That would be wrong. Okay, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, Spud. And believe me, I will not be copying your persona. Good call, yo. But before you get too carried away with emulating J.D. Salinger, don't forget he was sorely missed when he went incommunicado. His work was so influential and popular that people just would not let him hibernate in obscurity. It's one thing to drop out of sight knowing millions of fans still adore you regardless whether you ever show your face in public again. In contrast to your case, Spud, doubting if anyone would even know you're gone, that would be more difficult, you know? Leaving the stage without anyone knowing you left. 
Jeez. I I know some fans would care if I left. Hell will freeze over. I'm not saying they would do serious bodily harm to themselves if I went away suddenly, but I bet we have like a couple cutters who listen faithfully and they could maybe nick a finger or an arm with a sharp object. It's the thought that counts, not the, you know, like the total blood loss. Oh, you're just going to have to wait and see how history will look back on your career as a talk show host. There's only so much you can do to control the public's perception of you, no matter how you choose to make your transition to private life. You can hope people will wonder what the heck happened to Spud Goodman, but it's out of your control. History will write itself. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration Period. You know, I hate it when I have no input on the writing of history. Uh, I feel so powerless. My therapist is helping me get a handle on that. But anyway, all right, I'm being told we need to wrap this. We're running late. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. All right, we will leave everyone with a bit of this tune by Leonard Nimoy. Highly illogical. Enjoy. From far beyond the galaxies, I've journeyed to this place to study the behavior patterns of the human race. And I find them highly illogical. Girl meets boy. They fall in love. She says he's everything she's dreamed of. But when they get married, before he's aware, she changes his habits, the way he combs his hair. She changes him to someone he's never been, and then complains he's not like other men. Now really, I find this most illogical. Take the case of your automobiles. Greatest invention since man discovered wheels. Hydromatic overdrive, floor on the floor. Push-button windows, push-button doors. Double-barrel carburetors rush you any place, but you never can find a parking space. Highly illogical. Take the case of modern man. He works all his life, gives it all he can, saves all his money, works overtime. Pinches every penny, banks every dime All he can think about is money But you know that he can't take it with him Where he's going to go Now I find that fascinatingly illogical Now is the time to journey home To tell of what I've learned My people, I believe, have every right to be concerned Copyright 2019, Spud Goodman Productions advanced psychology behavior patterns are still a mystery i predict the future of this earthly human race is that having made a mess of earth they'll move to outer space